So we've all belittled God, and God being just right and holy is not going to allow the belittlement of his name. I'm so grateful to be out of this life. I have clear, conclusive proof that humans can't be more than thousands of years old. Does God love you if you're gay? And now, listen to these profound words by Dr. Jack Howes. Is there a hell? Heaven, the place where the Lord God Almighty dwells. Darwinism cannot explain gravity, it cannot explain thermodynamics. Most of all, it cannot explain how life began. When do you feel this blatant turn towards the occult and witchcraft really took on its momentum? This means that the New Jerusalem is over 5,000 times higher than New York City. Each prayer cloth is simply a cloth cut out of felt. I think they live in a little teeny box. They cannot look outside that box for the giant spacelessness of time. It's me. It's Kent. I'm a brand new Christian, and Lord, this is all confusing to me. I'll just tell you right now, I'm confused about a lot of things. And I was like, well, it's in the Bible. Duh. Come on.
Well, friends, when I was a child, once a year my brothers and I would clamber aboard an enormous wooden sled and ride out across the slam chasm to visit my grandfather on the other side of the side of the side of the hillside. Our mother would lick us goodbye, and my father would violently wrestle us aboard the sled, which had started life as an ebony coffin lined with luxurious dark green velvet. It sat on runners of highly polished bone, constructed from the legs, arms, and ribs of its previous occupants. Those were long and thrilling trips around the hillside. We traveled past the old Nerval place and felt the ground throb beneath us. We huddled together in trembling delight as we rode through forests luscious with the shrieks of animals and men. We slid over arid lands of death-black slates, our bony chariot like a stick of chalk describing impossible equations on the schoolhouse board. And, as we finally began our descent to my grandfather's ranch, the sled would gather speed until it overtook the overworked, underfed horses and dragged their panicked, whinnying carcasses in its wake. I will never forget the look of horrified anticipation written upon my grandfather's wrinkled but strangely childlike face as he gazed up at us while we thundered down the hillside in a cloud of dust screaming and horseshit and skidded to a fly-bespattered halt in the yard outside his house. Of course, it wasn't always so happy, folks. This was before I discovered one of my family's most terrible secrets. This next one goes out to all the world's closeted skeletons. anti-religious, like Jefferson. He, he hated organized religion. Now Who did not try to call when they murdered hundreds of school children in, in, in Basra, shooting them in the back. You didn't call. Of course, 
two days before tomorrow when I was seeping my sentiments onto mother's card. I had noticed that some of the collage I had made was still wriggling on its staples. Little wigglers. Maybe I'll just leave it though, I brain thunk. The old girl does enjoy wigglers so. So much so that she farms them in her rump and mummy funnel. Mummy funnel. My mouth filled up with blood when I was brushing my tooths, so I swallowed it down. I've always been the opposite of Dracula. I spent the rest of the day staring out of the belfry past yesterday's buildings looking for Papa's comings. The night fell in on me and still Papa no come. Oh well, maybe tomorrow. I chiselled into my chest. I chiselled into my chest. Boyhood. Boyhood. Everyone's saying boyhood. Well, it's the word on the tip of most tongues. Uh, I mean, the thing about it that's so bloody phenomenal and amazing and has blown people away is that uh, halfway through, the kid died. And, uh, you know, they seamlessly... They didn't stop. They didn't even have a funeral for him. They just, you know, carted him off in a wheelbarrow. They, you know, popped Andy Serkis in a body stocking... And uh, you know, went on, went on as as uh, as the film dictated, and it's just fantastic, fantastic. Well, there's a, there's a lot of confidence in that decision, some might say. You know, and I think I think that's one of the reasons why Linklater eventually won Best Director as as well. You know, because uh, I think to continue in the process of making a film about a growing boy after that boy is perished. You know, is a it's a ballsy one, isn't it? You know, uh, of course, one of the one of the stories as well was that there was an option uh, for Jim Henson uh, to come in and take over, but the problem was, of course, the boy wasn't finished growing, and as we know, you know, corpses don't continue to grow, so that was why Jim didn't get the job. But Andy Circus, I mean, he, he lobbied he, hard for it. Mm. I mean, he had he had an amazing. There are some great uh, some great uh, examples up on Instagram. Yeah, of uh, you know the kind of concept design that Jim was going for. Well, and of course the, the other dead boys that he was going to use as as the uh, as the vocal character grew. Well, yeah, but yeah, he had uh, he had like a whole array. He had uh, he had a fifteen year old, and then a sixteen year old, and uh, an eighteen year old, and he was gonna you know he he dressed them up in hair. And uh, he would that would that would do the aging process yeah. each one, but it was going to cost so much money, sure. and their faces would be different. I mean, Jim hadn't really thought it through, and um, I mean, never mind the smell. But uh, Actually, you, know, you know, it's not it's not all misery though, is it? Because of course, uh, something good did come out of that, despite the fact that he didn't get the job. Uh, they got to do the special runway modelling show uh, for the uh, for the brown velvet waistcoat company. Uh, and the boys were. I mean, their deaths, the, boy... the deaths were honoured. Uh, you know, their corpses hadn't been dug up in vain. And I think they've got the new Gap ad- advert campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. And and also Andy Circus has said he got to 
he got to revisit some childhood traumas. You know, he got to go through puberty again. Sure. And well, of course, I mean, I would expect that he's referring, of course, to uh, the film Predestination, which is a central real story, Ethan Hawke travelling through time and molesting young English boys, Andy Serkis being one of them. Yeah, he got to meet his own abuser mm-hmm. as another boy. In the future, but At, also the present. Yeah, I mean, poor guy. Mm. He got He really went through the ringer. Yeah, I mean that's what Ethan Hawke did as well. <laughs> but uh, I mean, they rewarded everyone's effort with an Oscar, which yeah. is always nice. Oscars for everyone, yeah, uh, across the board. Well, that's the real definition of inclusion, unity. Mm. Yeah, um, and that's something we value highly here at the Sticky Floor. My grandfather was a lonely man, shunned by the world and responding in kind. He had a tight, mean mouth and the bloodshot yellow eyes so prevalent among the male members of my clan. His pockets were always filled with poison-dusted almonds and taffy glistening with splinters of broken glass. My brothers and I would flock to him like lambs to the shepherd's laughter. He lived alone, my grandmother having vanished shortly before the birth of my parents. My grandfather was a scientist of sorts, and his house was bedecked with the paraphernalia of his eccentric experiments. Electric copper coils hung in swathes from the gloomy rafters like the cobwebs of some great metallic spider. Test tubes and beakers of sea-green and sky-red liquids fizzled and frothed in volatile volcanoes of foam, and their discharged acids ate through carpets, floorboards, and the bedrock at the beginning of their burning journey downward through unfathomable depths. My grandfather would lock himself in his laboratory for days and nights on end finally to emerge with glazed, unblinking eyes and hands dripping with iodine. We children had little time for his geriatric explorations, and we would spend the long, hot winter nights out of doors, conducting experiments of our own upon the wretched beings that somehow managed to survive in the place. We would stay with my grandfather for four weeks at a time, sleeping in shifts in our parents' old bedroom and playing war games with troops of ivory and bone soldiers. We would frolic in the padded underground nursery, being on our most bestial behavior. This next one goes out to all of childhood's forgotten imaginary friends. I shot Robert Smith! And I do it again and again and again! I'm dead! I'm alive! I'm dead! I'm alive! I am the stranger killing an Arab! 
I've always been excited about going to Europe, yeah. ever since I was a kid. What is it that makes this man tick? For 16 long years, we've watched Nigel Farage cross the channel to wage war on the EU. But sometimes he puts politics on hold to indulge a secret, nocturnal passion. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Hi, morning, everybody. Great. Somewhere inside this suit, there is a man, the hunter-gatherer, desperate to break out. Still smoking, still breaking the rules, the UKIP leader took us on what could be one of his last trips across the channel. Pure as hell, it bunch of wankers. <laughs> it was amazing. We had lunch, we sat outside on the terrace, and they wouldn't let me smoke. I said, what's the matter, isn't the ceiling high enough? You know, it was absolutely unbelievable. We are being controlled by Puritans. Okay, right, refugees. South of Calais, everything's awful. So I get up at five in the morning to come and do things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love catching them. Um, but not just the catching of them, I like the cooking of them, the preparing of them. That opportunity was created in part here at the European Parliament, where his assault on Brussels generated headlines. But did his rudeness towards Europeans here encourage racism? Increasing numbers of the black and ethnic minorities. We've got rid of them. Hello, good morning. Um, your, your main condition uh, for... <laughs> Two of his children as well. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah. This may surprise you, Mina. <laughs> All right. She she was asleep when I called. But do you live every day as if it might be your last? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, everything at full pelt. Firing off in all directions. Good morning. Sanity. Oh, the perfect Sunday. There's a call for you. May we have an ashtray, please? like some assorted appetizers.
Money in hand, let's go shopping. Well, folks, before long, I noticed a curious thing. Each year we seemed to return with one fewer brother than we had set out with. My parents would insist this was not the case, and since my brothers and I were so alike, I could never be sure exactly who was missing. Hell, sometimes I even thought it might be myself. One year, for example, I could have sworn that my brother Mungo had failed to return with us. But upon mentioning this to my parents, I was told that no such brother had ever existed, and that I must have imagined this strange child, born with a black moon-shaped birthmark on his left cheek. Besides, there are always the same number of mouths to feed each time we returned home, for in our absence a new member of the family would have emerged from beneath my mother, and so the dynasty continued in an equilibrium of cursed fecundity. We also seemed to age more rapidly during our annual trips to the old man's house. One year, on our return from our allotted four-week sojourn, we were all noticeably bigger, broader, and more pursuit than we had been before we left. We spoke in deeper voices, had appetites unusual for children so young, and became enchanted with the forests of wiry black hair sprouting from various clefts about our bodies. After the following year's holiday, one or two of my brothers returned with thick, lustrous beards. They were just eight years old. Circus met his abuser from the future in the past, uh, mm-hmm. playing another boy. Must have been confusing. In a different film, um, what was what you know? What struck you most about that moment? Well, the fear, I think, you know, and the and the confusion. I mean, what was interesting, and what was interesting from Linklater's point of view as well, was that he didn't give. Andy Serkis any pre-warning that this would be happening, you know. Uh, Richard Linklater is a director who's very obsessed with capturing real emotions, you know, famously in uh, in the film Before Midnight. Uh, Julie Debbie's character, just before a scene, is actually pushed into uh, into a very climactic sea and uh, drenched, you know, and she, she comes back terrified and, and the anxiety there is real, it's, it's palpable, you know. So that's kind of what you see on the face of Andy Serkis is a confused, sad, vulnerable, middle-aged man 
who is in a professional working capacity has come face to face you know with the future version of a man who time traveled and abused him in the past yeah and you know that, that means that, you can't you can't buy that you cannot act that you that's can't something you, real yeah you can't buy that but also that i mean what people don't realize is that makes richard linklater a soothsayer i mean he can see into the future he's seen he saw into the future that Ethan Hawke had travelled back in time to do this in the first place. Well, it's a shame that he didn't see that the boy would die, otherwise you would imagine that perhaps he, he would pick a different boy. Well, maybe he did, and maybe mm. that was his evil plan all along. Mm. I mean, maybe maybe he shouldn't have done any of that just to make a a film about a boy. Well, I mean, you know, we've, we've all seen the film, it was obviously worth it. And everyone got Oscars. Everyone. So... of our annual vacations, my grandfather's behavior seemed more and more erratic. It was almost as though in between each visit he became an entirely new person. He still recognized us all, however, and I would sometimes catch him, looking at one or the other of us with a conspiratorial gleam in his eye. Nonetheless, he continued in his scientific excursions and would spend more and more time apart from us, until, on one occasion, he failed to materialize from his laboratory at all during the entire course of our visit. After three weeks, my brothers and I eventually plucked up the courage, or perhaps hunger, to force open the door of the laboratory using a rigor mortis struck body of a creek alligator as a rudimentary battering ram. On entering, we immediately found my grandfather and his bodies. Laid out peacefully on trestle tables about the room were the naked cadavers of perhaps a dozen old men. Each had a small, mean mouth. Each had bloodshot, yellow eyes. And on the left cheek of one of them was a black, moon-shaped birthmark. Each one of the bodies was my grandfather, and each one was my brother. In between the tables, lying on the floor, was another body. He still wore my grandfather's clothes, and looked to have tripped and fallen, smashing his frail eggshell skull on the rough concrete floor. My brothers and I searched his pockets, and in amongst the poisoned confectionery, found a single broken ivory soldier. He must have kept it as a keepsake of the previous year's holiday, the last he had spent among children of his own age. For in our absence he had grown old, 
until the day he took over his predecessor's work and continued his esoteric travails, waiting for his replacement to arrive in a horse-drawn coffin. Such are the fond memories of childhood holidays here in the Slam Castle.